Well, if you don't know, I have uh, five wonderful children. I have four boys and a girl. Uh, and each child is unique and each child is loved very much uh, by Chris and I. Uh, I just have to put that disclaimer out. Um, but there's something special about the firstborn, right? The, the firstborn child, uh, there's a lot of excitement. You know, you, you, you start to, to get the house ready. You might take the classes. You, you go out and you find the best. You're doing all the research. You find the best stroller. You put the crib together. You get the room all nice and perfect, right? And, and everything is just set and you just can't wait. Well, by the time number five comes along, you're like, hey, kid, there's a cardboard box. Um, <laughs> You know, the ironic part of that, though, is the kid playing in the cardboard box probably had more fun than all of the other toys that you got and put together, right? Um, well, I could not wait to take Remington, my oldest, to something I very much loved, which again is Flyers hockey. I've mentioned that before. I couldn't wait till he was old enough that I could take him to a game and just have him experience, you know, Philadelphia Flyers hockey. Uh, and so he was finally old enough and a bunch of us went. And right before the game started, we were coming up through the tunnel and I actually, right, right in our section, I actually picked him up in front of everybody and I was like, this is my son's first game. And everybody was like, yeah, and they were applauding and going crazy. I was so happy. I was so proud in that moment. And then the Flyers lost five nothing and I've never taken him to another one. <laughs> Um, but, but it seems like the firstborn though, right? It seems like they get all of the glitz and all the glamour, right? And, and all the other kids just kind of get the hand-me-downs that, that come after it. Um, well, the firstborn son, especially in the Bible, he was a really, really big deal. Uh, the, the firstborn uh, was the one that would carry on the family lineage. Uh, he was the one that would carry on the name the family, he would be the one that would that would get the property. Uh, he, he would be the one, you know, that that all of the livelihood was put into. And so as the firstborn male, that meant priority. Uh, that that, again, as I said, was a, a really important deal to the family. It, it signified a level of rank and and it became a matter of inheritance and it became a matter of leadership uh, for the rest of the family moving forward. Uh, they would be the one that would have certain rights and responsibilities. They, they would be the ones that would get more privileges than anybody else uh, in the family. So any other son or daughter that came after would not get as, as much as the oldest son would. Uh, culturally, they were the ones of strength and vitality that they actually looked at the oldest son as kind of being the womb opener, uh, if you will. Well, because of this, he was entitled to his birthright, which meant that he got a double portion of the inheritance. Now, I know for us, we might look at that and go, well, that seems unfair. One child is going to get more than everyone else. Well, what you needed to understand was that if something happened to dad, that oldest child would have to take care of mom. That oldest son would have to take care of any of the unmarried sisters. And, and they would be the prime decision maker for the rest of the family moving forward. 
So, so there was a lot of stock put into that oldest son. And so it seemed fair then that they would get more land and more wealth than any of the other sons because of all of the expectations that would be put on them. And that just didn't apply to children as well. Actually, we see in scripture that the firstborn also applied to animals and it also applied to our wealth. In Exodus 13, the Lord said to Moses, he said, consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. Exodus 22, don't hold back your offerings from your granaries or your vats. You must give the firstborn of your sons. Do the same with your cattle and with your sheep. Let them stay with their mothers for seven days, but give them to me on the eighth day. And in Exodus 4.22, God actually speaks of Israel. He calls them his firstborn son. And partly why God does this is because it's a reminder to us. It's a reminder that everything that we have really comes from God and belongs to God, right? We, we don't give the last of what we have to God. We always want to be giving the first to God because we are completely and wholly dependent upon God. But what does that mean though when I say we're to give our firstborn to God, that we are to consecrate our firstborn to, to God. Uh, it, it doesn't mean that we take our child and we put him on the altar and then we sacrifice and burn him up. Actually, what you were supposed to do, you were to take your child to the temple and you basically were going to give him to the priests and they were going to take care of him and train him in the ways of being a priest. Now, eventually, the Israelites make some bad mistakes with the golden calf and the tribe of Levi becomes the firstborn over all of them. But that was the idea. Now, if you had an animal, you would take that animal and you would actually slaughter that animal and burn that animal up. It was a way of man being able to show his devotion and his obedience to God. But see, there was a caveat. There was a caveat with your firstborn that if you wanted to, you, you could actually engage in what was known as, as uh, pinyan habin. It, it was a ceremony that existed in Exodus 13 that also existed in Numbers 18 where you could literally buy back your child. You could go to the temple and you could offer five shekels of silver to the priest and say, I would actually like my son back. Now, five silvers, five shekels of silver is not a lot. It's probably only a few dollars. So it, it wasn't a drastic amount of money that required you to buy back your child. But that option was there if you wanted to. So why, are we not, why am I talking about the firstborn? Why am I talking about these things of sacrifice and redemption? Because we've been talking about this series, the series, the types of Christmas, right? That, that something in the Old Testament is, is pointing to something in the New Testament. And as Dave shared last Sunday, that what it's pointing to is something that's greater and something that's more real to come from the Old Testament to the New. Well, we know that humanity had its firstborn in Adam, 
Right. And that literally means first man. And, and we was given the right and the responsibility to rule over creation. We see that in Genesis chapter one. It said God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. But we also know the story, right? Adam and Eve sinned. They were tempted by the serpent to eat from the knowledge of the of good and evil. And God was now going to punish Adam. And he said, look, because you have disobeyed, you are going to toil the ground. And he turns to Eve because you've done this. You are going to bear pain in childbirth. And then he turns to the serpent and he says, I have something for you as well. In Genesis 3, 15. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. See, you will give a temporary blow to the offspring of a woman. But that child will one day put the final and mortal blow to you. He will put an end to you and what you have done. And we know that Christmas is when that child came. We know that that child was born to the Virgin Mary. We know that child was given the name Jesus Christ. And we know that that child is to be our Lord and Savior. And so on Christmas, the words were fulfilled of Isaiah 7, 14. It said, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That Christ would be God with us in the flesh. That Christ, the firstborn son of God, would be entitled to all of the privilege and the inheritance of his father that, that would be given to him. It was the one that all of Israel had been waiting for. But see, here's the difference between Adam and Christ. As Adam was the firstborn of all of humanity, Adam would go and sin. But Christ as the firstborn of God would be sinless. In Romans 5, it, it talks about the difference between Adam and Christ. It says, consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all the people. See, as a result of Adam's sin, that sin was now passed to each and every one of us. And as a result of that sin, it brought death and it brought condemnation. It brought eternal separation between us and our God. But this is the beauty of Christ and this is the beauty of what Christmas becomes. Because as we continue, it says, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners. So also through the obedience of one man, the many will be made righteous. See, God chose to redeem humanity's firstborn. God said, I, I want, I want my children back. But instead of five silvers of shekel, that redemption was paid with the blood of Jesus Christ. 
He, he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you my firstborn son so that you may have eternal life. That we would be justified and that we would be made right before God. That we would be offered forgiveness of our sins. That all of that death and condemnation that awaited us would now be gone in having a faith in our Savior, Jesus Christ. And what I like about this is a few verses before it, in Romans chapter 5, in verse 15, he, he calls it the gift. He says, this gift, this gift that we've been given, and that word gift is the Greek word for charisma, which has the root word of charis, which means grace. So what is Christmas? Christmas is the yearly reminder to us that we have been given the greatest gift of all time. You know, there are so many things that we want and so many things that we think we need in this world. But truly the greatest need that we have is a savior who would die for the forgiveness of our sins. It's a free and gracious gift that comes in Jesus Christ. It's a gift where a firstborn son was given to, again, buy us back into his love, buy us back into a relationship with him, to buy us back from the perils of hell and into his heavenly kingdom. And as the angel spoke to Joseph in Matthew 1, he spoke of Mary and said, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save people from their sins. So God had made a promise to the, to the serpent. And he said, one day a child is going to come. One day there will be a seed born of a woman who will crush your head. Who will give the final Mortal blow to sin and Satan and eternal death. And so when Christmas comes, it was the birth of Christ, which was the coming of that victory that was then finished at the cross. So what I would like us to do this Christmas what I would encourage you guys to do every Christmas is take time to remember that as we open the presents from loved ones and friends and family, that, that we stop to remember the greatest gift that we have ever been given. It is a, great, a, a gift that's been graciously given and freely given to you and me. And that is the gift of Jesus Christ. Something that you and I never, ever will deserve. But he gives it freely. So that is what makes Christmas such a merry Christmas. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this gift. We thank you that, uh, Lord, you chose to buy us back. You didn't have to. You, you, didn't, you didn't have to give your son on that cross. 
But why did you do it? Because you are also a God of infinite love and compassion and grace. So let us rejoice this holiday season. Let us rejoice this Christmas that we have been given something, Father, that is the greatest gift we could ever have. And that is an eternal relationship with you. Amen.